Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. We are in 2 Samuel chapter 21 this morning. Our message series is called Famous Mothers in the Bible. And today we come to a mother who is probably not as well known as many of the other mothers uh, in our series. In fact, many of you may never even have heard of her before. And that's a shame because her story is a beautiful one and an important one. It is also a sad one. Her name is Rizpah. And Rizpah is an example of a grieving mother. And her story teaches us important truths for parents who have lost a child. And even though this is a Mother's Day message, dads, I want you to know this is for you as well. Okay? We're talking about parents. And we'll be looking at examples uh, from God's word of fathers uh, who have lost their children as well. So... A challenging message for us, if it's something that you've gone through, I pray God's uh, comfort for you as we work our way through the message together. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14, but let me begin by just reading verse 10 for us. Rizpah, daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds of the air touch them by day or the wild animals by night. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look to your word today for uh, comfort and strength and understanding, I pray, Lord, as we uh, look at Rizpah's story, uh, Lord, that we would know your heart uh, for those who are grieving. And Lord, you would help all of us to better understand how we can love and support each other in the body of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, most of us have probably never heard of Rizpah before. And that's okay, because she really only shows up in this one passage in the Bible. We don't hear her talked about as, as much as some of the other mothers in the Bible. And sadly, this can be true of mothers and fathers who have lost their children as well. And Because our children have gone on to be with the Lord, we sometimes feel like like we and they have been forgotten. But God knows, God remembers, and today as a church, we want to remember as well. Rizpah was one of King Saul's wives in the Bible. She had two sons named Armoni and Mephibosheth. This is not Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. That's the more famous Mephibosheth, but Armoni and Mephibosheth. This is her story of loss and grieving, but it is also a story of honor, remembrance, and hope. And so as we uh, look uh, at her story this morning and the other scriptures, I pray that you will see God's heart for the grieving parent. You know, just the fact that God chose to include Rizpah's story in the scriptures shows how much God cares for parents who have lost their children. God offers comfort to grieving parents, and God offers comfort to you in the loss of your child. There's an outline in your worship guide. I would encourage you to take that out so you can follow along on, on the message and perhaps jot down some notes along the way. And you'll see the first part of Rizpah's story has to do with loss, with loss. So look at verses 1 through 6 with me now. Uh, these verses give us the background for her story. 
During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. The Lord said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. The king summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. David asked them, what shall I do for you? How shall I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? The Gibeonites answered him, we have no right to demand silver or gold from Saul or his family, nor do we have the right to put anyone in Israel to death. What do you want me to do for you? David asked. They answered the king, as for the man who destroyed us and plotted against us so that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel. Let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and exposed before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. So the king said, I will give them to you. Rizpah lost her sons due to the sinful actions of Saul, God's judgment on the land, and then the Gibeonites' desire for revenge. In other words, this is something that should never have happened. This was a tragic loss of Rizpah's sons, as is the loss of any child. The loss of a child is unlike other losses. It's been said a wife who loses a husband is called a widow. A husband who loses a wife is called a widower. A child who loses his parents is called an orphan. But there is no word for a parent who loses a child. That's how awful the loss is. The loss of a child is something we carry with us all our lives. Joseph Bailey, who lost three sons of his own, tells of meeting a man in his 70s, and he relates, during our first 10 minutes together, he brought the faded photograph of a child out of his wallet, his child, who had died almost 50 years before. The Bible describes the loss of children in many places. We read of Jacob's response when he believed that his son Joseph had been killed. Genesis 37, Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. His father wept for him. In the book of Ruth, when Naomi lost both of her sons and she returned home, she told her fellow villagers. She said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. David's response when he lost his son Absalom contains some of the most heart-rending words recorded in all of Scripture, indeed in all of literature. Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. We know that our parents and grandparents will grow old and eventually pass away. It's the natural order of things. 
We mourn the passing of our siblings when they die, but they are closer in age to us. We know when we get married that unless we both pass at the same time, one of us will outlive the other. But the loss of a child is unlike other losses. Children are supposed to outlive their parents. No parent should have to bury a child. Not only is the loss of a child unlike other losses, but each individual loss is unique. Proverbs 14.10 tells us this, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. And your loss is unique, first of all, because every situation is unique, even if there may be similar circumstances. Your loss is unique because each person grieving is unique. And none of us grieves in exactly the same way. Even a husband and wife may grieve the loss of their child in different ways. And your loss is unique because your child is unique. They are a precious individual created in God's image. And their loss is like no other. Proverbs says, no one knows another's sorrow. And that's why it is not helpful to tell someone who is grieving, I know exactly how you feel. Even if you may have gone through a similar loss, it's not helpful because it's not true. And it's better to say something along the lines of, I, too, have gone through times of grief. And although I know I can never know exactly what you are feeling right now, my heart breaks for you and for your sorrow. Those who've lost a child need your love. They need your prayers. They need your support. Romans 12, 15 says we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, we're all part of the body of Christ, and if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Oftentimes you say, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to someone. That's okay. You know, just letting people know that you care for them, that you are available to listen, that is enough. Job's friends had the right idea when they gathered together to comfort their friend, right? But they actually did better before they started speaking, right? When they said nothing at all. Later on, Job told them, he said, just listen. Job 21, 2, he said, listen carefully to my words. Let this be the consolation you give me. So just let people know that you love them, that you are praying for them, that you are available to them. It's also good to help in practical ways. You can send a card or cook a meal or offer to clean house or take care of the yard. The loss of a child is a terrible thing. And parents who have lost a child need your love, your prayers, and your support. The next part of Rizpah's story has to do with honor. Honor. Let's pick up her story now in verses 7 through 10. The king spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan. That's the more famous Mephibosheth. Remember, we've got two of them. 
spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, because of the oath before the Lord between David and Jonathan, son of Saul. But the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Aya's daughter, Rizpah, whom she had borne to Saul, together with the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merib, whom she had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Meholathite. He handed them over to the Gibeonites, who killed and exposed them on a hill before the Lord. All seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as the har- barley harvest was beginning. Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on a rock. And from the beginning of the harvest until the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies, she did not let the birds of the air touch them by day or the wild animals by night. Rizba's sons were not only taken from her, they were executed along with five other descendants of Saul, and then they were left exposed on a hill to the elements and the animals. And although there was nothing Rizba could do to prevent her son's deaths, she was determined to honor them. And so Rizba sets up camp. She takes some sackcloth and she spreads it out on a rock. It's a symbol of her mourning. Day and night she protects the bodies of her sons from the birds and the wild animals. The Bible tells us she did this from the beginning of the barley harvest until the heavier rains came down. The barley harvest took place in spring. Those heavier rains took place in the fall. And so for six months, Rizpah protects the bodies of her sons. Rizpah's fierce love and loyalty for her sons is a tribute to all parents who have lost a child and mourn their passing. Rizpah's example teaches us a number of things. First of all, it shows us that it is important to grieve. It's important to grieve. Sometimes Christians get the idea that I don't know where we get it, but we're never to show any sadness or mourning. You know, that no matter the circumstances, we're supposed to just put on a happy face and just keep moving on. Sometimes we're told that an admission of sadness demonstrates a lack of faith. But that is not what God's Word says. It's not what the Bible says. We read in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, for example. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. You see, faith is not a matter of denying your sorrows. Rather, it is a matter of trusting God in the midst of your sorrows. Remember, Jesus wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. We read in John chapter 11, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. 
And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. In the book of Acts, we read that godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. These were godly men, men of faith, who mourned the passing of their friend. It's important to grieve. God gave us our tear ducts for a reason, right? If you are struggling with grief, I encourage you to talk with your pastor or to find a support group like Grief Share uh, that can help you through this difficult time. We're uh, running Grief Share at our church now. We can tell you more about that. On the back of your outline this morning, I've put some grief resources, some books that uh, I've read that I feel are helpful. Uh, One is by Joseph Bailey, the, the gentleman we mentioned earlier in the message. It's important to grieve. Rizpah's example also shows us that it is good to remember. It is good to remember. God recorded the story of Rizpah and her sons so that we would remember them. It is good to remember the ones we have lost and to share their story with others. When Saul and Jonathan died in the Old Testament, David wrote a song in their memory. We read in 2 Samuel chapter 1, David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan. He ordered that the men of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. And then we're we're given the song that he wrote. It's good to remember. A number of you have shared your stories with me in these past weeks in preparation for this message. That's been so meaningful to me to hear your story and to hear about your child. It's good to remember our children who have gone ahead before us to the Lord. But notice God not only recorded the story, he recorded their names. Did you notice that? They're not simply listed as Rizpah's sons. No, they are Armoni and Mephibosheth. God recorded their names. Names are important to God. And they should be important to us too. Sometimes it seems we are almost afraid to speak the names of those who've passed on. But talking with parents who've lost a child, they've shared with me that they want you to remember their child. They want you to speak their name. Armoni and Mephibosheth's names are recorded in Scripture for all of eternity. It is good to remember. And then thirdly, Rizpah's example also shows us that it is right to honor. To honor. She could not prevent her son's deaths, but she honored them in death. And she fought bravely to preserve their dignity. For six months, six months, she kept vigil at their side. She kept the birds and the wild animals away. When King Hezekiah died in the Old Testament, the people honored him and his life. We read in 2 Chronicles 32, Hezekiah rested with his fathers, was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are. All Judah and the people of Jerusalem honored him when he died. And so it is right to honor. And a number of you have shared with me various ways that you continue to remember and honor your children. We actually have two memorials on our church property that were given by parents in memory of their children. You may have noticed this bench 
uh, out by the front pond. This bench was donated a number of years ago by our missionaries Walter and Diane Kennedy in memory of their adult, adult son, Kevin, who passed away. You may also have noticed this memorial out by the preschool courtyard. It reads, in remembrance of the love and protection God provides all his children. This plaque was donated by a mother at our church who lost her four-year-old daughter and two-year-old son at the same time. And she donated this plaque to the church in memory of all our children. Our children may no longer be with us in this life, but it is right to honor them in their memory, even as we look forward to seeing them in heaven again. And that leads us to our third point this morning, which is hope. Hope. We want to end with hope this morning. Look at verses 11 through 14 with me now. When David was told what Rizpah had done, he went and took the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the citizens of Jabesh-Gilead. David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there, and the bones of those who had been killed and exposed were gathered up. And they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the tomb of Saul's father Kish at Zelah and Benjamin and did everything the king commanded. After that, after that, God answered prayer in behalf of the land. Rizba's story ends on a note of hope. When David learned all that Rizba had done for her sons, he took action. He went and he took the bones of Saul and Jonathan. He gathered up the bones of the seven who had been killed and exposed in Gibeah. He brought them all back to the land of Benjamin where Saul's father was buried and he gave them a proper burial. Rizpah's actions made a difference. There was a hope in a future for her sons that she did not know at the time. But God preserved her son's dignity. And they were given a proper burial. And people as Christians, we have an even greater hope, don't we? An even greater hope for the future. And yes, we grieve the loss of our children, but as Christians, we do so in hope. In hope. Let me share with you some wise counsel from Scripture that I pray will help you in the midst of your sorrow. First of all, don't blame God. Don't blame God in your sorrow or each other. Don't blame God, rather worship Him. Worship God. I think of Job in the Bible. When Job received word that he had lost all of his children, all at the same time. We read in Job chapter 1, at this Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And then he fell to the ground in worship. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. You see, too many people push God away at the time when they need him most. 
Too many people push their spouses away at a time when they need each other most. Don't blame God in your sorrow or each other. And then secondly, look to God. Look to God for his comfort, his strength, his peace. We read those verses from uh, 2 Corinthians earlier. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God longs to comfort you in your sorrow. Let him do that. Let him comfort you. Don't be like Jacob who who refused to be comforted. Let God comfort you and then allow him to make you a channel of blessing to others in their sorrows as well. Look to God for comfort. Look to God for strength. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And let me tell you right now, there are going to be times when you are not strong. When you are not strong, when your flesh and your heart are failing, remember that God is your strength. He is your portion forever. He will give you his strength. And he will get you through. And then finally, look to God for peace. I love this verse in John 14, 27. These are the words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. An overwhelming sorrow requires a supernatural peace. And only Jesus can give you this peace. There's a peace that does not exist in this world outside of him. You know, in the Gospel of Luke, we read about Jesus and his disciples entering a town and they encounter a funeral procession. Luke tells us that the person who died was the only son of his mother and that she was a widow. And then Luke tells us these beautiful words. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. His heart went out to her. That's how Jesus views you this morning. When he sees you in your sorrow, when he sees you grieving your loss, his heart goes out to you. I know it's been said that time heals all wounds, but time does not heal. God does. God is the healer. Look to the Lord for comfort, strength, and peace. And then finally, put your hope. Put your hope in Christ and the resurrection. For the Christian, death is not the end, but only the beginning. And you will see your child again. When David lost his child, he said, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. But I will go to him. David had confidence he would see his son again in the future.
People sometimes wonder about the children we lose before birth, whether through miscarriage or abortion. We read in Psalm 139, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Please know every child is a precious human being created in God's image from the moment of conception. And your child is safe in the arms of Jesus in heaven. And yes, you will see your child again. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says, We do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And folks, this is the hope of the gospel. God will bring with Jesus all of our loved ones who have fallen asleep in him. Paul continues in verses 17 and 18. He says, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. We will see our loved ones who die in Christ again. We will be together with them and with the Lord forever. So put your trust in God who loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. The story of Rizpah teaches us such an important truth. God offers comfort to grieving parents. You are precious to God, and your child is precious to God. Jesus' heart goes out to you. He is the God of all comfort who comforts us in our sorrows so we can comfort others in their troubles. The Bible tells us death is not the end. Jesus conquered sin and death at the cross. Our little ones are safe with him. When Christ returns, the dead will be raised, and we will be reunited with our loved ones in the Lord. And my prayer for all of us this morning as we've studied these scriptures and as we've walked through this message together is that we, first of all, we would all have a greater sensitivity towards parents who have lost a child. I pray that we will have a better understanding of the uniqueness of their grief. And parents, I pray that you will find comfort, strength, peace, and hope in the Lord as you grieve the loss of your child in him. Now, we mentioned earlier in the message how names are important to God. So as we close in prayer this morning, this is something I spoke with our parents before doing this. I would like to honor our lost children this morning by speaking their names in remembrance before the Lord 
in prayer. So as we close in prayer, let us remember these children. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the comfort and strength and peace that only you can give us. Lord, we're sorry for the times when we've pushed you away, Lord, when, when we need you. Lord, we can't do this on our own. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us each other, the body of Christ. Lord, help us to do a better job of caring for each other and the body of Christ, providing the love and support that we all need. And Lord, we want to honor and remember the children who've been lost at this church over the years. And so, Lord, we speak their names before you, for you know them, and you remember them. We remember Abby. We remember Casey. We remember Cutter. We remember Derek. We remember Gary. We remember Indira. We remember Kevin. We remember Lily. We remember Cade. We remember Stephanie and Gus, brother and sister. We remember Stephen. We remember Wayne. Lord, we thank you for these precious children who've gone on before us. We remember them. We honor their lives today. And we put our hope and trust in you, Lord Jesus. For you are God, and you are good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.